Greetings and welcome once again to another episode of the Retro Redoctopus Cephala Podcast. I almost forgot the name of my own show there. Uh, this is actually the first bonus episode of 2021 Retroids. You are listening to it right now, and I'm very excited. And with me, as always, is... Uh, uh, actually, I'm just here alone. Uh, crickets. Crickets are with me. Oh, well, it's your, uh, it's your old buddy, uh, Parasite Steve, a.k.a. all the other stuff that I don't feel like saying that whole joke thing. But yeah, so I have an awesome guest with me tonight. And this, uh, this guest has been with us before, so we have, we have two firsts tonight. This is very cool. Uh, not, only, not only is this the first brig of 2021, I can't believe we, we are still alive right now, but we are, but we actually have our first returning guest in Nicole Givens-Kurtz. How's it going, Nicole? Hey, how are you? Uh, pretty good. Uh, welcome back to the brig. You know, it's very comfortable here, so return... Yes, I, uh, I uh, just want you to know I did not wash the pillows, and there are some new spider webs you might uh, not recognize. Um, I was going to, you know, clean them out, and I just didn't. So, I mean, I hope you don't think me No, that would host. definitely take away from the ambiance of the break. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we, it's, it's better to leave, and that's what I think. So, um, so yeah, just, just avoid those. Welcome back. You are actually uh, in our Here to Slay episode. Which was a really, really fun, really amazing episode. I'm super proud of it. Where we had, I believe, five readers, six guests that night. Yes. Mm-hmm. And you were actually, while you front, we front-loaded the episode with you because your company, Mocha Memoirs Press, actually was the publisher and you were the editor of that book, Slay, mm-hmm. Tales of the Vampire Noir, which I just <clears throat> happened to be in. Um, as well as 28 other amazing people. Uh, yeah, you, you didn't actually get to read because you don't have a story in Slay. <laughs> I do not. <laughs> so we're going to kind of remedy that tonight, and you're going to get to read some of your new book. But before we get into what that is, let me just drop some knowledge on uh, the, the listening audience, our retroids, who might, know, might not know how incredibly impressive you actually are because... You're pretty impressive. Let me, let me just read this. Okay. I got a whole thing here. So, Nicole Givens-Kurtz, that's you. You are an author, an editor, and an educator. You're the founder and editor for Mocha Memoirs Press, a company which you started, a member of the Horror Writers of America, Sisters in Crime, and Science Fiction Writers of America. Your novels have been finalists in the Dream Realms Awards, Fresh Voices, and the Epi Awards for Science Fiction. You have written stuff for White Wolf's Vampire the Masquerade, Holy Crap, 20th Anniversary Anthology, Bram Stoker finalist in horror anthologies, in the horror anthology category. There's like so much stuff. And not only that, but you've written 40 freaking published short stories and 11 novels. So guys, in case you didn't realize, this lady, she's kind of a big deal. I mean, she's kind of a big deal. She's kind of awesome. So uh, that's a lot of stuff, Nicole. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I mean, I know you a little bit now, um, but I think, now correct me if I'm wrong on this, you've been writing for a very long time, right? Yes. You started very early. <laughs> Or I'm really old. One of those two. Yes. <laughs> well, I mean, a lot of us didn't start until later. You know, I didn't start until I was in my mid-30s when I decided I, I kind of want to do this. And, you know, I, had, I was already knee-deep in, you know, my other career and stuff. 
And you actually knew from the beginning, right? Yes. I, uh, mm-hmm. So, so I, why don't you talk about that? Like how you started and, you know, what your first experiences were, um, you know, first in getting published, let's say. So I was in high school when my first, um, my, my essay was published. I was in like 10th grade. And there was a there was a district wide essay contest, essay writing contest. And my English teacher was like, "Hey, Nicole, you like to write?" Well, she was like, "Nicole, can you stay after class?" And you know, oh. I'm like, "Oh gosh," <laughs> I'm thinking about all the journal entries that you know one of them must have offended her. Um, and so, <laughs> so I was very nervous. And she was like, um, "There's this," and she just slides this. It's back in the in the like it's, it's it's 90 so she's sliding 89 90 so she's sliding like a paper across she's like yeah there's this district-wide essay contest for students i think you should enter you are you know you like to write and you're you're really good at it da-da, da-da, da-da. so um i wrote an essay about teenage pregnancy which seemed to be a very big deal in the 90s with madonna's papa don't preach and a whole bunch of other stuff going on mm-hmm. and um i won Wow! Out of everyone in our district, which was a big deal, because <laughs> there were a lot of people. In, I'm from Knoxville, Tennessee. That's not a small city. Yeah. Um, and so, well, I, what was more important was I got paid. I got money too, and I was like, "Wait, someone will wow. pay me for this? <laughs> for something first, I write?" <laughs> first paid gig, tenth grade, people. Yes. So I'm feeling really lame right now. That's <laughs> that is really really cool. So it's like for real. You guys have paid for this? Yeah. No, um, so, so when you wrote that <laughs> essay, were you at all like harboring any thoughts of perhaps this might be something you might go into? Or was this just another day in the life and you just weren't even thinking about it? You're just doing the schoolwork? I'm, like I'm all of like 15. I'm just writing right. because she, my teacher picked me out and said I was special. <laughs> <laughs> Which of course she was right. I mean, you know. <laughs> Actually, I went to college. And so I, I graduate. I go to college for, I write poems. I wrote a bunch of poems. And um. Some of them were published, some of them were not. You know, it was back during a time where you can like send your three dollars and they would publish it. It's totally, you know, vanity pressing mm-hmm. it. Um, but at the time, I didn't care. I, my name was in a book with poems, and my right. mom was happy, and my dad was happy. We we're good. Um, I went to college for computer science. Um, hated Fortran. That's how long ago it was. Uh, could not pass calculus, but mm-hmm. I had a minor in English and I had straight A's. <laughs> so, in my sophomore year of college, I switched majors. <laughs> You'll fight it. Okay. <laughs> like, okay, obviously, I'm good at this. Yeah. Um, or halfway decent anyway. And I enjoyed it. That was the other thing I really enjoyed. Um, and so, I ended up graduating with a BA in, um, in, in English writing. Uh, surprisingly, it's not in creative writing. It's in rhetoric. <laughs> huh. Very good at arguing. Um, <laughs> and logic. So, um, when I, I think I was 24. Six, twenty-seven, so not almost in my thirties when I launched Book of Memoirs magazine of short fiction and poetry. It was online. It was ninety-eight, um, and we publish short fiction and poetry, mostly mine. Um, but we also paid. I also paid five bucks um, to people whose stories and poems I accepted for publication online, and Re Sheridan Rose, who is the uh, editor-in-chief at Mocha Memoirs um, was my editor, <laughs> my fiction editor. So I've known wow. Ree for about almost, was it 98? So uh, about 22 years now. Um, and it was also the same year that my first novel was accepted for publication by wow. a small press, a digital small press. 
that quickly died on the vine before the book could get published. Oh. I mean, it, was, <laughs> it, was, it was like 98, 99. So, so these were the early days of ebooks where the scanner is like the size of a printer. You know, it's just like, you know, where the ebook reader is the size of a printer. Right. It's a huge. Um, so way back in the early lawless days of the internet. Um, and so. <laughs> little tumbleweed rolls by. You know. <laughs> um. <laughs> Way before when Amazon, I think Amazon didn't come out until like 2000, 2001. So they were way when Amazon really only did books. When Amazon was like rainforest. <laughs> yep. And they only. And that's all it, like that was the, it was like a big river and that's it. Yes. So, um, but that was my first the kind of like venture with publishing. Um, and it kind of, I, of course I didn't stop. I just wrote other, I wrote. Novels and yeah, I wrote novels, sent them off. Got re- you know, I could not just paper my room, I could paper my house in the garage with the number of rejections I got. That's, I, you know, I mean, that's the sign of a real author, though. That's a writer. <laughs> that is a writer's story to be able to say that I can wallpaper my garage with in my the, house with the, and. <laughs> <laughs> with the amount of rejection letters. I mean, that's awesome. I mean, that just, that just shows you uh, your tenacity, right? Like that's, that's absolutely what that shows. Not that, that there's nothing negative about that. That's like, you're, you were so on it. So either you had so many things that you were setting out or you were just really, really trying to get that one thing published. I don't know which it was, but. You, <laughs> a bunch of things. Cause I had a whole bunch of ideas and that was kind of like, um, that's just, so when I was younger, before I could actually write letters um, and write my, I could write my name in like kindergarten, but I would, but I couldn't write like a whole story or anything like that. I would extend stories when I was sent to bed, like after TV, after I finished watching whatever television show I was watching and my mom was like, okay, Nikki, it's time for bed. Um, I would extend that story. Oh, wow. In my brain until I fell asleep because I have horrible insomnia and I always have. Like even when I, well, I remember my mom coming down up to my bedroom when I was like ten. It's like, why are you up? It's four in the morning. I can't sleep. Yeah. What are you doing? Rearranging my bedroom. Like seriously, I just I have horrible insomnia. So in order to get to sleep, I would ex- just okay. What if? Bob didn't do this and I would extend that what right. if Tom did catch Jerry or what if they were friends and I would extend that in my brain so I was storyboarding what if the thing. scarecrow was Mrs. King yeah you know <laughs> talk about 80s um, <laughs> <laughs> that's all we do on retro reductivist <laughs> so yes so that's what I was doing um, yeah. so I was really I had a lot of ideas so when I started writing short stories and novels I had tons of ideas that's really fun i i would say that i had like a weird uh sort of adjacent uh you know thing happened when i was a kid like not the insomnia part but um you know i didn't consider this to be writing at the time and i have since talked to a lot of other people who feel like you know playing pretend with their friends when they were kids was kind of the genesis of their writing uh, you're creating worlds, you're creating, you're using your imagination and you're kind of creating stuff for you guys to do. So, you know, I had a certain group of friends where we would pretend to be like Ninja Turtles or, you know, Thundercats or whatever. And I think everybody did that mm-hmm. at some point, you know, you had whatever characters that you loved, and that's essentially what we did too. You know, like mm-hmm. basically like maybe there was an episode where there was a certain plot or a certain bad guy 
-hmm. and then we would like do the sequel or mm -hmm. what if that guy came back or what if it went different and you know what if the scarecrow was mrs king or what if what if kit was a vw bug now that one sucked we never played that again um <laughs> but yes we uh and i did it with dolls i had dolls until i was like 13 and my dad like toy shamed me into giving them up but i had um Ain't nothing wrong with that <laughs> i have um, dolls now i just call them action figures nicole They're action <laughs> figures okay i have pops so now the same thing <laughs> All of my dolls are Godzillas. Okay, nice. Perfectly oh, fine. Yeah. Um, so yes, no, that's, that's kind of how I started writing. And then I kept writing. Um, and then I let go. I, I kind of closed the easing um, when I got my children. My sons are all adopted. They're from Ethiopia. So oh, wow. when we got the boys, probably a couple years before we got the boys, I kind of closed down the easing. It was uh, a lot of work and I would, there was no revenue to speak of. Um, and so when I got the boys, because I got all three of them at the same time, me and my wow. husband at the time, got all three of them at the same time. So um, And they're brothers, with, I assume? They are a family group. That's, that was really amazing mm -hmm. of you guys. <laughs> so no, seriously, yeah, it was that, a handful. That's, that's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> you can imagine. Yeah. We are, you know, we were both teachers, but we're both we were both a couple, right? Oh, la uh, la la, we're gonna go to Ethiopia, and we did, and then we came home a party of five. That changes the dynamics of a lot of things. Wait, 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 wait. Hold. Okay, wait. Hold on a second. Like, was that planned? Yeah. Okay, it was planned. Okay. Because <laughs> like, that, that's like a spur of the moment thing. Like, do you want to want to bring home a family of three? Like, so we had um, adopted domestically an uh, infant. Um, okay. And um, his mother changed her mind, oh, um, which was detrimental to us at the time. Yeah, wow. And so we decided that we would not adopt domestically again. Um, we just couldn't risk that emotional, um, yeah, pain. And so we wow. had friends. I know you. Yeah, you don't know. I. It was as about as horrendous as you can, because we had them for like a month and a half. Yeah. Um, and she was like, I, I remember telling my adoption coordinator, okay, I'll pack his bag. Um, and I remember packing his bag and I remember holding him when Jennifer came to the door to get him. I do not remember anything after that. I woke up in my bed. Yeah. So we got the boys and, and, and mind you, they were 18 months, three and four, um <laughs> so here you are we live in like new mexico right, right. so here we are from new mexico all the way to addis ababa ethiopia and it, <laughs> right it's not as crazy as you would think um but and and then spending two weeks there with the boys we had a guide and we had a, a tour guide and we had a, a language uh guide a translator mm -hmm. Yob and caleb and, and i mean they spent the two weeks basically with us and the boys um because about two older sons only spoke amaharic and so they didn't speak any english and here me and my my ex-husband now but me and my husband at the time were like looking at the translation book trying to figure out what the heck they're talking about um and and then still wow. at the same time trying to teach them like okay a b c right um and then my little one was 18 months but he was wearing like three month old clothing so he was really tiny mm -hmm. um but and then we flew back and uh spent some time in london because we couldn't fly directly from amman jordan to we had flown to london going going and back because you can't there's no direct flight from like chicago to 
Addis Ababa. Okay. So you have to like we flew from Albuquerque to uh, Chicago, from Chicago to Heathrow in in London, and then from Heathrow down to Jordan, and then from Jordan over to Ethiopia. And so wow. we had to make that same trip back. Um, and then once we got to Albuquerque, we lived two hours outside of Albuquerque in in Gallup, New Mexico. So we had to drive two hours. With, with with three kids and right. you know it's it, it, one of which is a baby right. <laughs> so it was horrendous but, right you three know. kids who there's a language barrier you guys just met i mean that must have been an experience and a half just just the car ride home that final leg yeah we My spent two God. weeks with them there uh, just so they okay. can get used to us in an environment that they that they didn't have the the shock of having a new environment and <laughs> new right. people right. um and so and, and new foods and all the things that you don't think about when you go when you live when you don't go out abroad you just don't think about it right um but when you know we get them home there's like there's a new bed this is all new because they spent two weeks with us in a hotel and they were uncomfortable there and we are shifting them again but they're like the older two are like 19 and 19 now and mm-hmm. my youngest is 16 he'll be 17 in april they're fine wow um but yeah <laughs> wow good on you guys that is that is okay that is an amazing story that was incredibly heavy that boy i was not prepared for this episode of the brig to get so incredibly heavy <laughs> sorry but there it is oh my god retroids uh this was totally unplanned that is some real shit right there. Nicole Givens Kurtz is a better human being than I am. <laughs> no, by, a, by a lot. No, by a lot. <laughs> no <way. laughs> not even, it's not even close. Okay. So, so that's, that is legitimately fucking amazing. Okay. So thank you so much for sharing that. First of all. Um, so this was a period, obviously of turmoil in your life. This is everything's new. Now you're saying you closed down the easy. And so were you writing at all at, at this period? Or was this just yes, let's I focus was. on the kids? Okay. Nope. Yeah, I was just not as much. <laughs> just one small caveat to the adoption story. Um, we left in August to go if the, to if this if this makes you seem like less <laughs> awesome of a person, I don't wanna I don't wanna hear it, Nicole. It's not. Um okay. but I don't know, but it's it's an interesting caveat that um I had just got out of the hospital a month before we left for blood clots in my lungs and and my doctor was like, you're not flying anywhere. You're on blood thinners. You just got out of the hospital. I'm like, I have to go get my children. And it was, so there's this other element of, of chaos. So what, so, you're, no, wait, wait. The you're whole telling time me <laughs> you're a fucking superhero too. No. Because you're I, like, no, da ba the blood thinners. I have to get my kids. I just was really determined after the loss of, of uh, my first child, adopted child, yes, you know, his mom yeah. taking him, I just couldn't. And I was really careful while we were there that I didn't just like run into things or bump into things. And my right. husband checked for bruises to make sure that I didn't like it. But he, my doctor was freaking out. He was like, if you, because you could be in bleeding internally, it's a right. third world country. Right. Are you serious? Like he was just, he was like, I am not approving this. I'm like, and I'm not asking you. I'm just telling you I'm right. going. <laughs> I'm just saying, I don't give a shit what you say. <laughs> I did, but there was nothing I could do. Right. Like, you, you, know? had, you, had, you had to do it. Absolutely, <laughs> it was, yeah, you had to do it. You were a mom. You had to go get your kids. Absolutely. That's crazy. That is an amazing story. Uh, now, has this worked its way into any of your writing? No. <laughs> no? <laughs> what are you laughing at? 
<laughs> you know, this is heavy know, shit. What are you laughing at? Like, <laughs> it is, but it doesn't because my writing is so. Um, you know, there's bits and pieces of us that end up in stories all the time, right? Um, I've been super protective of not using the boys and mm-hmm. that whole thing in my writing because it's not, it's my story to tell, like that part, but there are other parts that are more their story to tell. And so I don't tell it. Mm. <laughs> Does that make sense? I don't. Except for tonight. Uh... Well, I tell it to like <laughs> readers and, and to you and to my friends, um, but I don't tell it to in a sense of like yeah. in a story to embellish it because right. it's Not already correct. freaking crazy on its own it doesn't I'm, need any fictional elements <laughs> well that's that's what i was thinking i'm like you so we haven't really said the sort of stuff that you write but your new books are fantasy books mm-hmm. and this is almost like harder to believe <laughs> <laughs> i'm not saying i don't believe it of course i do but like wow that's a lot <laughs> very much stranger than fiction yeah um so that's amazing um now i know that um if we could swing things back around to your writing mm-hmm. uh your book that is coming out mm-hmm. is is called a thief a theft most foul not a thief i keep saying it wrong in my own head now i've screwed it up and and you'll never come back on because I've screwed up the name of your book. It's called A Theft Most Foul, and it is the second in a series called the, um, this is the World of Avis, right? The uh, It's the Kingdom of Avis. The Kingdom yeah. of Avis. This is a, sorry, I, I clicked off my notes. I'm a terrible host. I'm terrible at this. <laughs> a Theft Most Foul, A Kingdom of Avis Mystery. This is book two. The first one was Kill Three Birds, which I love that title, by the way. Um, and that was just released in July. So you yes. are like an insanely prolific person as well. Like on top of everything else, you write your books very fast. <laughs> these are novellas, so they're a little bit shorter. Um, Just take the compliment, are- Nicole. Jesus. <laughs> Thank you. But they're really fun to write. I was going to say, that's why, they're, that's why I'm able to write them more faster than some of my other stuff. Mm-hmm. They're just a lot of fun. And I love this kingdom. I love, so this is like, I love it. I love it. I love nice. everything about it. The world building, the, my you know the protagonist i just it's a fun series so yeah so let's talk about now you have a reading you're gonna you're gonna drop on all the retroids like in a few minutes so i'm i'm mm-hmm. psyched to get to that before <laughs> we do let's talk about the world a little bit so what makes the the kingdom of avis so special what what do you love so much about it and i know it's like i said it's fantasy but from what i've read about it you try to keep things a little bit more low fantasy like yes. i know there's no there's no other races, right? No elves, no dwarves, nope, that kind nope, of stuff. Nope, that was the whole point. So, um, because last year was so challenging, right around, right around April, March, um, I was thinking that I wanted something fun to write for me. And so I was like, I want to write a fantasy. I usually write uh, like dark, futuristic noir, pulp, or I write uh, <laughs> dark space opera. And I wanted something lighter, I wanted something fun. And I wanted to write a fantasy, but I did not want to revisit or the same tropes of fairies, dwarves, da, 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 da. and so I looked through. I am a fan of birds. I like birds. I like bird watching. Uh, I'm not fanatical about it, so I'm not like, "Ooh, let me go see this." But I do like to like sit on my porch with my binoculars. I was about to say birds. girl same, but I am kind of fanatical about it. <laughs> I love them, um, and I wanted to use something that was. Um, that, that exist in like in reality but 
had enough species. So I didn't want to do, like I sit down, I checked off. I didn't want to do tigers. I didn't want to do werewolves because I didn't want to do anything that was already a shifter. Yeah. Um, so that, I mean, it, the, the list of what I could use like shrunk and, and, and I was like, I'm just going to do birds. <laughs> so and once I had decided on birds, then you have to, you know, when you're world building, you have to figure out the land, <clears throat> you have to figure out the currency, what kind of government. And so, um, I was, <laughs> I'm a big fan of Dan Brown, and I was thinking about how there are cardinals in the Catholic Church already, and I was laughing because I'm like, they're birds, right? I always laugh when I see cardinals in their little red <laughs> gowns, and I think, oh, they're birds. Yeah. Um, and so, the, hence the order. And so, the ruling body for the Kingdom of Avis is um, structured like the, uh, uh, the order. <clears throat> and honestly, I use the Ethiopian uh, Orthodox <laughs> well, so version bit, for it did come in a little bit. A teeny bit, just a little bit. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's to okay. set up the structure. Um, but the one thing I did flip was that all of in, in Avis, um, they're a matrilineal society. They worship the goddess uh, who was a phoenix. Okay. Um, and so... Um, so a lot of stuff with this is fun because I get to take bird traits um, and put them with, onto human beings in those in those behaviors and put them onto like people. And it's fascinating to watch how you know the pecking order and kill three birds. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> you know, and things like that. You know, like the fact that okay, so also in the kingdom of Avis, whatever your bird type is. So, um, Prentice is a hawk, but in a Thethmos fowl, her partner is a condor, and condors are kind of like the bruisers of <laughs> of the order, right? They're the lowest rank, but they're always paired with the hawk because the hawks are always investigators, and condors are always kind of like their their muscle, if you will. Gotcha. And so. But, you know, condors don't, they eat raw meat. <laughs> and so Galen eats raw meat. Hmm. And it freaks out Prentice. She just does, because it smells and it's raw. And she doesn't, she doesn't eat a lot of that. She's just um, into the bird seed. That's all she has. She's like, you know, maybe the, the occasional she, corn kernel, maybe if it's she eats not fish, really right? corn, but maize. <laughs> she okay. eats fish, right? So okay, the, the, the challenges for them, is, for me, of course, is, and the fun part is like my, like um, in Kill Three Birds, there's a section of town. Um, well, let me just talk about the structure of, of the Kingdom of Avis. Yes, please. Um, I had a map drawn. Sarah Macklin did an amazing map of the Kingdom of Avis, which is included in, of course, in every copy of every book. And, one of the things I love is that all the nests, sorry, all the providences or states are called nests. Nice. And they're named after prominent bird uh, specialists that were African-American or women. Um, all of the eggs, which are cities, because cities, eggs reside in nests. There you go. So all the eggs, are, aka cities, are named after prominent uh, white male um, bird specialists. And so... Um, it, it, it gives me a lot of room to play. So like in Kill Three Birds, Prentice is in, is in Gould, which is a small city in the mountains, right? So they've never even met a hawk before. And so, and then this time in Kill Three Birds, she's back at university, the University of Southern Day, which I'll read about in a little bit, but she's back home, but not home, but she's back where she went to school. And here's where the rooks, because rooks are very smart birds. They're the teachers. They're all like, 
<laughs> they're all professors. <laughs> so, <laughs> Why are you like? That's cool. Why are you laughing? Because I, I love it. It's I just like, so. <laughs> you, you're you're filled with such joy by your own ideas, and I love that. <laughs> I loved it. Like the puns. <laughs> like I am so good. <laughs> it's so just good. so fun. No, because there's just so many puns. Like they pay with bird song, and there's just little puns like that. Um, like at the. At in Kill Three Birds, my roosters reside in a <laughs> in a bar. Oh come on! You, bar. you call them roosters. You didn't even call them cocks. I mean, come on. No, I no. I, this is your one chance to to like talk about cocks a lot <laughs> and have it be a family book. It's fine. No, no. So the and I mean, the you roosters could use cockroll. <laughs> I mean, if you really want to be fancy, they well, I can't because they're basically, you know. <laughs> they're not they, they're not fancy um oh, they're so they're they're roosters and hens right okay. and so okay. and they decorate their they do this whole pecking order thing so they all have scars but they decorate them with like rhinestones and like tattoos I to glorify i them. love how much you're laughing like the, the, the joy the exuberance is bubbling out of you so and it's you know just what? the puns it's just so great that, oh. that is the best the honestly like as a creator of stuff like the best is when you love it so frigging much and you feel like you did a really good job and you feel like this is so good someone's gonna like it i know it for sure because i love it so much and that <laughs> is just like the best feeling and uh i'm so happy that you've obviously been writing for a while and you're this excited just telling some guy on the internet about this <laughs> book i mean like this is this is this is the best you're the so best. I, but there is a but there like kill three birds for all its like embedded puns is about a serial murder and so there is very like, serious very serious this is right um but there is those periods where you're just like really <laughs> and you can tell those puns because they show up and so in a theft most foul it's my attempt at a heist <laughs> at a at angels and demons it's a heist story um and so what happens, I don't know, do you want me to talk about that now or we can yeah, talk so, about it right Well, it sounds it. like, so the first ones, are, they're both mysteries. So yeah, I would say- they're all mysteries. Mm -hmm. So fantasy, mystery. Mystery, yep. And the first one, is, the flavor is, is murder mystery. This one is a, uh, a heist. Yeah. So that's, that's really, really cool. And technically, the, you, you've used the word kill in the first book and- first book and theft in this one. So you're being very blatant about it. So that's really, really cool. Like I, I really like the, the way that like, okay, we're going to do mysteries, but let's do the, the big mysteries, but your way. That's and really every, cool. if you notice like every um, title is, has a bird reference in it. If not uh, the word yeah, bird. Yes, or this one. Birds yeah. and, oh, <laughs> I did notice that birds was a bird reference. I did. I picked up on that. <laughs> now. Um, so I have a question before we go further. Uh, I can't tell, and I can't, because I haven't read these books, I can't quite tell from what I'm reading on your website, are your characters, are they winged? Do they have wings? The uh, hawk and condors do. Okay. Because it looks like she has wings on the cover, but I wasn't sure. So if you get the paperback, mm -hmm. you see the expansion of her wings. Oh, cool. That's what you got to do, guys. Get the paperback. <laughs> But yes, so there are five ruling. So the order is made up of five bird clans, and Prentice is one of one of those clans. She's a hawk. Condors are the lowest one, and then there's an owl. Which their owls are always the the pope, and then your cardinals are, of course, the cardinals. Um, and then there's a middle one that is 
in the Middle are doves. They're always bishops, and they there's doves are located in every egg, and they act as more of a mayor of their city of their egg. Like they're the over they're the governing person body in okay. that city um, are doves, and then you have hawks, and then you have condors. <clears throat> so that's important uh, because um, the phoenix, who's the goddess. Um, the artifact that has been stolen in a theft most foul is the, it's actually a religious relic called the five feathered crown. <clears throat> and the, the legend is that when the Phoenix rose to unite the, uh, all these clans together beneath the banner of Avis, she plucked a feather from each of the five <clears throat> ruling from Isles, from Cardinals, and then she made them into this magical crown, and no one is supposed to touch it, and it's gold, and it's it's revered, um, but it's on display at the Museum of the Goddess at the University of Solanday, and so um, it, where Prentice's mentor, Rook Renner, is the um, museum curator, and an expert in all the kingdom on all things goddess. Um, so people bring artifacts to him and he authenticates them or tells them, hey, that's junk, right? And so um, after her assignment, so the way that investigators or hawks work uh, in the Kingdom of Avis is they, every egg has a, has a policing body. Those are the eagles. Okay. Eagles police, right? But if eagles can't figure out what's going on, they will submit a request to the order for a hawk investigator. And that's because the hawks can see the unseen. And so Prentice and every hawk like her, and they're always female because it's passed around matrilineally, mm -hmm. um, has the ability to engage a magical power, which is her hawk vision. And she can see things that have already taken place. She can see things that... Um, she can see magic that magical things that have occurred but are now dissipated. She can so basically she can she can see those things. Wow. She can see those things that are now currently unseen. Right. It's a fantastic power. Yeah. But here's the kicker. The more Prentice or any hawk uses their power, the harder it is to get back, to shift back to their human eyes. And so over time, Prentice will go blind. Her mother was blind. And all oh, hawks go wow. blind. And then they're retired from the order. Yeah, uh, I noticed that um, on the cover, she has yellow eyes. Mm -hmm. That's her hawk vision. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. There it is. There it is, folks, on full display. Hawk vision. I like that. <laughs> I like it when there's a negative side to superpowers. Um, so she can't just, just be judicious terrible. about how she uses her power. <clears throat> yeah. Um, have you ever read um, Nosferatu by Joe Hill? By any no, but I did read uh, Heart Shaped Box and Horns. Gotcha. Uh, so you should read Nosferatu. It's very good. Um, he does go into a big system of uh, superpowers in that book. Superpowers, for lack of a better term. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, there's always a negative side. It's like you can do the stuff, but it's like, it's like the dark side of the force where eventually you'll look all old and messed up like the emperor. It's like, oh, I don't <laughs> want to look like that dude. I want, I want to do, do the lightning, but I don't really want to look like that. Though. Uh but so like uh it's kind of interesting that that um that's really really cool um so you have you have other magic in this world then too so this is a fantasy world there's there's creatures as far as this race that you've come up with these mm -hmm. bird people um mm -hmm. but now does this take place in a completely made-up world or is it this does. like okay yep. so this isn't like 
I created a world. This isn't like Latveria or Wakanda or something where it's nope. in. So this is not Earth. Okay. Mm-mm. Very cool. Um, awesome. I mean, it sounds like you've really, really, really built up your own fantasy world, like from the ground up with all these amazing details. And I love the cast system. I love it when there's cast systems <laughs> and it's not just two. It's like, okay, there's, there's like the two and then that's it. But no, no, like you've flushed it all out mm-hmm. and you've figured out all the corners of your world. And actually the first thing that I ever wrote, the first big thing I ever wrote, I, I tried to do the same thing. And it, to this day, it has never been published. I'm not sure what I'm ever going to do with it. But I basically <laughs> wrote this big, gigantic, uh, I, I wrote about, I don't know, 120,000 words or something like that, that I felt like was maybe a book and a half or something. And it was the same thing, but they weren't humans. And I created all this stuff from the ground up. And it's, it's, it was very fun. And I sort of looked at it the same way. I was like, okay, but everything has to be pragmatic. Like, where, where's the need for a new guy? Where's the need for a new type of a job or whatever? But all the jobs were things that I was trying to be like, oh, this is going to feel like a new thing. Like this is a special thing for this book. And it's not just, Oh, they're a mail carrier. Like what's my version of a mail carrier. (laughs) Right. Um, That's, that's really, really great. I loved, I loved doing that. And I hope to sometime someday do something with all that, but it's, it's really great. Like your level of detail with this world just, uh, Mm. and there's, so there's just these two novellas so far. Oh yeah. But But you're not stopping. No, (laughs) there's no one. I know what the third book's about. Nice. I just haven't written it yet. So is, um, is, it, is it a different kind of mystery? Yes. Nice. <laughs> so the goal was to make them not the same, obviously. Right. Um, and, and then to like produce an omnibus of all three novellas in one and then move, start a different story arc, perhaps with a different Perfect, hawk yeah. or maybe with Galen or with a different character. Um, that was that's the thinking but originally i wrote these for me i wrote kill three birds for me because i needed something fun and uplifting while i was well while last year was raging on and my husband's like you know this says kill three birds right i thought you were writing something fun mm-hmm. it is it is i promise it is <laughs> did um, you read the other two words what <laughs> three is a fun fun word like birds were fun like, you're focusing on the one negative word. Come on, man. <laughs> he was like, are you? Okay. <laughs> Just because he can hear me giggling as I'm putting together my one note of all the, you know, all the stuff. Yeah, well, he world. hears you laughing at all your own puns because they're so goddamn good. <laughs> they're so goddamn <laughs> sick. When someone wrote a review about Kill Three Birds, and she loved it. She she got, like, all the puns, and I was so happy that one person got all the puns. <laughs> and I and it, it obviously, it cracked her up because she loved it, too, and she made a point of posting a review about how, you know, how great all the puns were. I'm like, yes, hatred <laughs> spirit. That's amazing. Um, that's really, and it's funny that the choice for birds, it, it, it feels like it would have been impossible for you to choose anything else. But you, as you said earlier, you were going down the list. You're like, not tigers, not wolves, not bears, <laughs> not, not echidnas, not hedgehogs. What am I going to do? Uh, mantis <laughs> shrimp. Can I write a, an entire book about a, Mantis shrimp. No, that's stupid. No, I can't do that. But you went to birds and then like, wow, everything just fell into place, clearly. Yeah. It was like the floodgates were open. You're like, birds? And then like, blah, blah. Everything. <laughs> so what are you going to be uh, reading for us tonight? I'm going to read a little bit of chapter one from A Theft Most Foul. 
Awesome. Um, would you like to do that now? Sure. Cool. Uh, all right, guys. Uh, buckle in. Uh, make sure you're ready. Uh, make maybe maybe get a just re- refresh your mimosas if that's if that's what you're drinking. I, I know I'm not. Um, <laughs> I don't have your great reading voice, but we'll get there. <laughs> yeah, let's uh, let's do it whenever you're ready, Nicole. All right. Um, this is an excerpt from My Most Foul: A Kingdom of Avis Mystery. The University of Solanday was the oldest college in Avis. Originally, its location resided in Audubon Nest, close to Lanham, home of the order. But political infighting forced the intellectuals to put some distance between themselves and those at court. Experience taught them that the closer one got to power, the harder it was to survive. In response, the order opened an intelligence file on university members. But despite the history of hurt feelings and tensions on both sides, many of those within the order's rank traveled and studied at the university's new location in Sullenday. It sat on the banks of the Plume River at the apex of Audubon and Edmonds Nest. The campus was its own island in the nest. Everything revolved around the university. Rupa Joan Renner's entire life orbited Sullenday University, most importantly, the Museum of the Goddess. As a curator, Rook Renner's true passion, to which his entire life was devoted, was collecting goddess artifacts. And as a renowned expert in all things goddess, he received a a consistent stream of requests to verify and validate recently discovered treasures. Over time, his teachings gained more urgency around authenticity. Hawk Prentice found it strange that a devoted bird like Rook Renner would steal the five-feather crown. Why now? Why only that artifact? Why not something less obvious? He wouldn't be able to get birdsong for the relic. No one would take the risk of being caught with it. No one would dare touch the crown for fear of death. The theft just didn't add up. Hog Prentice Tassifa sat on the train speeding from Gould to Sullenday. She picked up Cardinal's week letter and read it again. Hog Tassifa. Your services have been requested in the Sullenday Egg. Arrive within two days and greet Dove Roz Hawk. This situation, as we know at this time, is as follows. One, there's a mi- missing is a sacred goddess's feathered crown. Two, proposed magical use. Three, possible suspect, Rook Bergeron Renner. The truth is light. Bring it forth as Hawk see what is unseen. Peace. Cardinal Wick. She rolled the parchment up again. Someone did break into the museum and they stole the five feather crown. In the ensuing massive manhunt, the eagles who served as security for all eggs searched but came up empty. <clears throat> Requests for assistance from the public produced nothing, according to the reports. No doubt Rook Renner was frantic with worry. He stood accused of stealing it himself. Prentice sipped her tea as ideas formulated in her mind. The ancient cogwheel train raced across the rails and it gently rocked as it chugged its way through the Edmunds nest. She left the, Bailey ro- the Baileys rolling hills and the Adams Mountains with their snow-capped tips. They grew smaller in the distance along with the Baileys egg, the Baileys egged red roof buildings. But now, two days later, she meandered along the Adams River. She missed gold. <clears throat> and if the circumstances changed, she'd return again, but not for work. In what seemed like no time, she reached campus. B 
Being early supper time, the egg bustled with life. Students clutched heavy satchels and walked or bicycled through the streets. People clustered together in casual conversations at outdoor cafes illuminated by candles. Pedestrians hiked along cyclists with ease, with ease in a practice rhythm. In her hushed carriage interior, Prentice embraced and nostalgia her rushing over her. She hadn't been here in years, not since graduation. Outside the carriage window, the plume rimmer glistened as it snaked its way through the egg. A clear sky with the constellations on display, and she warmed at the memory, at the memory of nights spent in Ruth Ion's astronomy class, charting and memorizing the heavens, gazing through telescopes and listening to how they came to be. A hawk was never lost as long as she had the sky. We're here, the coachman wrenched open the door and disappeared around to the carriage rear. He clambered up the short ladder and threw down her luggage bags. They smacked the ground. By the goddess, be careful, Prentice bellowed as she exited. Ah, <sighs> vultures. The coachman came back around with said baggage stuffed under both arms. He glared at her as he placed the bags beside her. His tight grayish skin bore thin scars. The bright scarlet birthmark across his nose drew attention away from his dark, beady eyes. Thank you. Prentice took five verse songs from her leather pouch. She dropped the coins with their five emblazed on the tail and the goddess's likeness on the front in the coachman's gloved hand. Evening, the man bowed, his face softened by the tip before leaping up to the driver's seat. His agility surprised her. His girth didn't hinder his movements at all. She turned her attention to the precinct cathedral that consumed the center entrance of the university campus. The air was heavy with the, with the fragrance of frankincense and sage. A cobblestone maze of dark quarters threaded through the grounds and connected the buildings. Dark hallways stretched out in a monolithic maze of nooks and crannies, making it impossible to take in the enormity of the, of the university at a glance. Ahead, a figure approached through the growing dark. Bright colored lanterns illuminated the square and entranceway. She could make out the red turban atop ahead. A sudden strong wind billowed his dark robes. Prentice didn't need her hawk eyes to uh, abilities to recognize Rook Renner. Her jaw tightened as he advanced. <coughs> Once the wizened old man reached her, he wasted no time in embracing her. Who, Prentice? He pulled her close. His voice was stronger than Prentice expected. She returned his hug but pulled back. Hoot, Rook. How are you? How are you here? Shouldn't you be in a cell? Rook Renner's jovial face held amusement. He didn't seem distraught. It would seem my rapidly eroding reputation has kept that action at bay. Come. <clears throat> I'm glad you're here. He claps her hand in his bony one. The soft flesh palm spoke to the rook, never doing a physical labor in his life. Me too. And she meant it. He motioned ahead. I've had a small instructor apartment set up for you. Prentice took back her hand. An apartment? Rook, you know I'm here to investigate you and the theft. She trailed off. A quiver filtered through her feather. A quiver? filtered through her feathers. Rook Renner raised his hand. The silver rings he wore caught the pale moonlight as he held them up to silence her. I'm aware. It's a studio, nothing luxurious. The order cannot say I attempted to bribe you. My status may not be what it was at court, but I'm greatly injured at this intrusion. The sooner we get this resolved, the sooner I get back to my work. 
Rook, Prentice cheeks warmed at his words, but she didn't travel here to rekindle their student instructor relationship. She'd been assigned to this case and she had a job to do, to see the unseen. She adjusted her satchel across her torso then hoisted her luggage. Lead the way, Rook Ritter smiled, follow me. And I will stop there. Nice. Um, so awesome stuff. Uh, I love, I love the names of every, all the bird stuff works really naturally. Like when you start saying egg instead of town, when you, um, even, even that like one moment where she paid for something and she used bird song and you mentioned bird song and then referred to them as coins. And earlier when you weren't, when you were talking about how they use bird song, I was like, do they sing? Is that what they do? Is that what you mean? No, that's just what they call the, the coinage. Yep. Very cool. And yeah, five-feathered five feathered crown is a cool sounding MacGuffin. That is, that is good <laughs> right? shit. Yeah. You're like, I know. I know. I just have so much fun with this. That's and I, it's one of the few times that in a long time that I was able to sit down and actually write for me. Yeah. I wasn't thinking about publishing it at the time I wrote it. I, it, it was only for Nicole. And, and it was, this, you know, people like, oh, you should always write for you. But if you have a contract, if you have to make money, like I do now, I'm a full-time writer. Uh, and I have to worry about selling and, and who's going to accept it. And that's, that puts different different um, criticism in your brain because you got to figure out okay is there already a story like this you know and this but this one I wrote for me and I made a specific point not to think about is there something like it I didn't care <laughs> well, there... I think it's I think it seems pretty marketable honestly because I mean people love fantasy this is uh this is definitely a different take you have a character who's very young very you know a powerful young woman she's got wings she's got a really cool superpower that you know I'm I, I love, I love the superpower idea and I love that there's a, a downside to it. I think that's just awesome. Um, so it's great. I mean, I think, you know, yeah, you wrote something just for you without having to worry about it, all that. But, I, you know, I really hope this does, this does well for you because like it, it sounds very fun. I, I loved hearing you talk about all the, like I said, all the world building. This just an immense amount of world building you've done. Yes. <laughs> I spent a lot of time world building and, and it didn't feel like work, which is really great. Like it, it didn't feel like work. It felt, you know, yeah. and thankfully thanks to the internet, I don't have to go to the library and play with the card catalog anymore. Some of you may not know what that is. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> um, but I, it, I, one of the things I did that I haven't done before was I started using um, art, various art. I go to like art station and I actually look at art and, and it was very inspirational for, in terms of like fleshing out scenes. What does this look like? What does that look like? Um, characters, what do I, like what kind of costuming do I want them to wear? Like in those types of things. Um, <clears throat> and I do go over what Prentice is wearing. I just, I skipped it in the reading cause it's, it's okay. Um, I wanted to get to the more meteor parts of the action, but um yeah, so I it actually was fun. That was actually entertaining, and it's and and, and time consuming looking through thousands of pictures to find the one to be like, oh, there she is. There's Prentice, or oh, there there's Galen. Um, mm -hmm. And of course, I always um, link back to the artists if I post on social media. Um, but one of the things my Patreon um, 
um, patrons get is they last in back in August they got like a a visual tour of of gold. And so the area where Princess was working in Kill Three Birds, I had a whole bunch of images that kind of kind of um, gave a, a look and feel of, of gold. And so I did like a, here's where this, here's the rooster's place, here's to this, here's to that, yeah. uh, the inspiration for those places. Right. And, and so I try to do a lot of those types of things. Um, and I will do it for my pickers again for uh, a Thethmos file, show them like, because every nest is different. Like, like I mentioned that the, where she was in Kill Three Birds is a little mountain community. It's called, now she's in a Mediterranean um, slash Middle East setting. It's kind of like Egypt. Um, okay. <laughs> so she's right there on the, the river, the plume rivers, the Nile. Um, and so there, she's right there in, in, this, in, a, in a kind of model, the University of Solende off of Alexandria and one of the oldest uh, African universities in in um in africa so it's kind of a mixture of both of those things and so i i spend a lot of time with the world building because i enjoy it um but also because it allows me to provide more depth um in the actual story itself right and if you figure all that stuff up front everything else that follows is just going to feel so cohesive so authentic mm-hmm. and it really just pays off i mean Absolutely. I'm a big fan of uh, really well-built worlds. I love doing mm-hmm. it myself. And I, I hate it to no end as a fan when I'm, I'm watching a show or something or a movie or like even worse, a sequel. And like you feel like, no, 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 they set this up. Or, what, what are you doing? You screwed up the rule you came up with in the first one. Like you have to yes. play by the rules. Um, <laughs> yes. Yeah. And as a, as a big geek like that, that sort of stuff, you know, just really. It'll throw you right out the story. It will. You're just like, yeah. oh, really? You couldn't do that last, like last, last season. <laughs> right, right, right. And that's, that's why certain shows like, you know, have stuck with me as being, um, you know, like, like Buffy or, uh, you know, Supernatural did a pretty good job too. But Buffy, I think was the first one where I was like, wow, they, they stick to their stuff. Like, like, I cannot believe the writers remembered this one thing from seven years ago that they're going to bring back up here. And it's like exact. It's in the Bible. I'm yeah. sure they had a Bible. And that's one of the things that like writing for White Wolf and, and for um, <clears throat> cereal boxes, there's a Bible. And, and, and for other, I write for a lot of independent projects. Um, and so they always, the Bible helps. Um, yeah. And so that actually helped me with my, with Kill Three Birds is having worked for those guys and seeing the level of detail in their Bible really helped me build uh, my world um, for Kill Three, for the Kingdom of Avis and how much detail needs to go inside yeah. into that. So they helped me with the writing. And when something weird happens, um, like the fact that um, Prentice, you find out in a Thethmos file, and I'm not spoiling anything, there's a, there's a fire. Um, and she can't see the visual residue with her hawk eyes because it's been burned because there's been a fire. She can't mm. see it. And that's again, so her hawk eyes can't see everything, right? <laughs> Even that's that. So that, so uh, that's a wrinkle. And I wrote that down because like, I don't want to forget that when people burn stuff, she can't see it. Oh, right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that, that would exactly be the thing. Like, wait a minute. You said that she couldn't see burnt stuff. This place has been burnt and everything's fine. God damn it. 
<laughs> right. And so I've made a note of that. So stuff like that. Like I want to make sure that, and I'm really, when we go back through, when I go back through edits with my, um, my editor has also re- read the first one. And so she also keeps her, she keeps a Bible <laughs> and she sometimes catches stuff like, wait a minute, you said, <laughs> so that's love, helpful. Oh, oh man. Good editor. Good editor is just the best. Oh, yeah. She totally is. She is. It's Melissa McArthur, but she's fantastic. So if you need an editor and a fabulous one at that. She's worth her weight in five feathered crowns. <laughs> in, worth, yeah. in bird songs. She's bird worth song. her weight in bird song. All right. Bird song. It's, it is plural. It's, <laughs> yeah. It's plural. Um, awesome. And uh, yeah, that, that's another, that's another great um, negative side to her superpower. It's, it's a superpower. It's, it's, it's a superpower. She's better. She's, more special than everybody else, but there are limits and there's downsides. And that's my favorite freaking thing. Like, <laughs> I love it. I don't, I'm not interested in the Supermans. I'm just not. I know. That was always Clark's biggest challenge is people are like, he doesn't have a flaw. He's too, he's just boring. It's like, I want you to be better than other characters when you, when you have, when, you, when you're building a story around a character who has any sort of a superpower, it's always best in my personal opinion, if they fail sometimes. And if there are things that they just can't do, as opposed to plenty of other fantasy characters, uh, you know, who, who tend to be in the more, you know, the, to be to be indelicate, the Mary Sues of the world. Um, if they, you know, can do everything, if they're great at everything, um, I was actually before the term Mary Stu- Mary Sue came into my my brain, and I heard that's what people said. Um, I actually called that the Buckaroo Bonsai syndrome. <laughs> Are you familiar yes. with Buckaroo yes, Bonsai across the I am. Yes. <laughs> well, that's that's like what I always called that. I, I'm like, it's like Buckaroo Banzai. He's yeah. like, he's an astrophysicist. He's in a band. He can do like anything. Anything. He's yeah. already the expert at all the things. Yeah. So it's, it's great when I think you give a character, somebody who, you know, is, the, is this, this main character, you're supposed, to, you're supposed to like them the best, you know, and okay, they are better than the other characters at certain things, but not everything. No. Yeah. And so, there, there are limits. So I actually live and write in like noir. And so, um, and so my Sybil Lewis series, which is like four books and whatever, a collection of stories. Um, that is the futuristic noir when it takes place in post-apocalyptic DC and she's a PI. And if you think about like noir's PIs, they are horribly flawed. Yes. But they have their own moral compass. Yes. And so um, Sybil is very much... Uh, flawed in many ways um, and so she is nowhere near perfect and she does screw up and it does cost her and others around her um, but I so I'm kind of in that area where I have I all my characters are flawed in some way I love it I love <laughs> so, it. Um, and most of them have their own moral compasses because they're ambiguously gray in most instances Prentice is a little more on more in line with you know i'm a good person i'm the hero right i just have you know some flaws she's Um, not chaotic good she's just good yeah she's good the other characters are like "Mm." Sybil's like chaotic good she's she and and if you're pusher she'll be chaotic bad um (laughs) so (laughs) but uh, i couldn't write Sybil um last year because she's just i did uh, the novels with an agent but i couldn't like start on the next novel because it's such a 
dark, gritty. I mean, think Blade Runner with a black female lead. It's very gritty. It's very dark. Nice. Um, and so I couldn't. I couldn't go there. I just, yeah. I so There's I did enough, this instead. <laughs> There's enough awful right here. Yes. Everywhere. <laughs> everywhere I goddamn like. Um, so if you if you'd like to talk more about your noir books or any of your other stuff, I'd love to hear about um, you working for White Wolf. I think that's that's incredibly interesting. Um, is there anything else you want to kind of? Oh, that was um, leave Avis and talk about <laughs> something. That was a one shot. Um, so I I mentioned earlier that I write for uh, independent. So I write uh, for. Uh, the, the opportunity came up that they were writing for the 20, they were putting together an anthology for the 25th anniversary of Vampire the Masquerade. Um, and so I got the Ethiopia, I got the Bible. Um, and I, and the, the story that I wrote for them was called the becoming and it takes place. It's, it's a, <laughs> it takes place at one of the other, cause there's so many different like locales. Mine takes place from in Africa or with mm-hmm. an African American woman. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. That's that's my story. She shifts and she doesn't realize she's shifting, and it's in it's really it's hilarious. Um, not funny, haha, but funny innocent. Oh my gosh, <laughs> this is terrible. <laughs> um, that's my story with her. Um, but it was several years ago, so um, that's the one thing that's I did. So with pretty them. cool. It yeah. was very cool. Like I I did not play. I knew what it was, but I didn't play because I told you I'm not much of a gamer. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Um, Jane Gates was putting together that project and I was able to um, submit a pitch to her and then she said, yeah. And I, then I wrote it and yeah. Um, I also wrote for, um, I do a lot of, so I just did Bella, the, the, the Bella, which is space opera. Um, so cool. This, the second season. And I got to write the uh, episodes with three amazing other writers um, for Serial Box. And Serial Box is just really cool. If you're not familiar with them, they do uh, audio and ebook production for like, there's like, they have like, they have like Black Panther, they have um, um, Black Widow, they have independent projects. It's like, a, they have like the uh, Orphan Black second season. So they have all these amazing like uh, audio. They only do things with Black in the title. <laughs> they do Black Panther, Black Widow, and Orphan Black. <laughs> Those are the ones I like, obviously. Um, but they <laughs> they also have several of my short stories that they produce um, as well. And so, if you want to check out Serial Box, I really think you should. Not just, and you can get like the hear the first episode of the Vela for free. I wrote uh, along season two. I wrote like four of the four of the thirteen episodes. So. Very cool. I, mm-hmm. I'm actually unfamiliar with this company. Oh my gosh. You should <laughs> totally check them out. They're so amazing. Oh, wow. um, like they're really good, really nice. professional, high quality stuff. We're not talking about the hit or miss you get sometimes with some other audio productions. It's really high quality. Nice. Because again, it's they're doing stuff for Disney and Marvel. Well, yeah. Disney is Marvel, but they, they're not messing around. So it's really good stuff. If Mrs. You can, King is the scarecrow out. now. Yes. See. Yes. See. I don't came back around to that. <laughs> didn't think that was coming back. No, but Dad love it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now you think you start quoting from heart to heart. Um. Yeah. So independent awesome. projects are also good ways for for me to learn as a writer. Um, I get to play in someone else's universe and. <clears throat> 
you know, I just got invited to play in Bobby Nash's Snow Universe, so that's going to be fun. I'll be wow. writing um, a short story in his, like, his super spy snow, which doesn't have any fantastic elements. It's all just straight thrillers, espionage, so I'm kind of excited to kind of stretch my wings, no pun yeah. intended. Um, to <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, God damn it, I've done it again. <laughs> <laughs> to like um to try to write something that doesn't have a lot of I'm very much into like true crime and and mysteries yeah. so this will be fun. Yeah, you're doing it for a little scratch. Yeah. Oh, you don't you don't like that one? That, that third <laughs> pun's not good enough. <laughs> no. <laughs> Boo. Okay, whatever. <laughs> I'll work on my bird puns. <laughs> uh, now <sighs> you're making me feel all down. I'm, I look, I'm the one in the brig. You're the one in the brig. That is true. Um, and you made the sound, which is pretty cool. No one usually, usually the guest doesn't make the sound. The sound is added in post. It's fine. Don't worry about it. It'll, it'll all come out in the end. <clears throat> so, uh, so that uh, that's all really good stuff. I mean, it's it's really great, you know, to talk to somebody who's, you know, because I I am not a full time author. Um, so it's it's always interesting and really exciting to talk to somebody who's in the trenches actually doing all the work and supporting themselves. And that is really amazing. It's uh, it's really cool that you're also able to work in so many different genres and you're always up for the challenge. Um, I mean, that's really, it's, it's gotta feel good to be asked. Oh yes. Oh, yeah. Gotta, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't know, but that's okay. Like maybe one of these days. <laughs> <laughs> maybe one of these, it's, it's fine. It's fine. It's not about me. It's fine. But you get asked and that that's, that's really, really cool. Um, is there anything that you have like secretly you'd love to work on if there was a, a 20th anniversary of uh, some, some other property? Is there a property you would just love to get into, you know, roll up your sleeves, get in that sandbox? You've so I would love to write like a Spencer for hire story. Wow. That is so cool. Cause so, I'm like, a huge Robert B. Parker fan. And so like the guy currently writing them, it's just, I don't know. I don't like it. I'm like, what are you doing? You're butchering like a legacy, a legend. Um, so <laughs> if I was ever like given the chance, I would totally. Spencer for hire. Yes. Whoever, well, yes. Yeah, whoever owns that. Robert B. Parker. Robert um, B. Parker. His, his, um, Robert B. Parker is his, he died unfortunately, but his estate owns it. And so they brought in some, some writers who continue writing Spencer stories. I'm like, boo, these are not, this is not my Spencer. <laughs> so this is like the Robert Ulrich show, right? Yeah. But that show was based on like 62 books or something. <laughs> oh my God. I had no idea. Yes. And I've read them all. You read them all. <laughs> they go back to like 77 or something. It's real. <laughs> Yes, I'm a huge fan. <laughs> wow, that's that's great. You can't read the the one from like seventy seven to seventy eight because they have like hawks speaking jive and it's really horrible. Like it's really <laughs> like it's really terrible. You're just like, oh, this is so dated. Oh yeah, it um, goes back to seventy three is the first one. The, the God. Yeah, Wolf see there you. Yes, it's, I was even born in seventy four, so I had to catch up. Um, so I love that character like a lot. Um, <laughs> like a lot. <laughs> it's like a lot. And so actually my my character Sybil and, and her partner Jane are kind of loosely, I mean very loosely modeled on Spencer and Hawk. Um so yeah. So uh are you a fan of the show too? Okay, so I 
like the show. I did not like whatever crap Marky Mark did on Netflix. They can that doesn't even exist in my universe. Doesn't, for, it doesn't. It, we it, won't speak of it. I'm like, did you? Are you? Did, did, it's like that. It's like that Nathan Fillion meme where he's like, uh, uh, just, y- "Yes, yeah, yeah," and he holds up the one second finger and then he goes, mm, "No." Y- mm-mm. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's like. Uh, so I, I, you know, we always try to work in something retro into our into our interview episodes here in the Brig, um, but. I wasn't sure. We actually kind of didn't have that conversation. And I was a little bit bummed that we weren't going to swing it around to something retro. Spencer for hire. Spencer for hire. <laughs> fulfills that quote, <laughs> that, 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 uh, that criteria. Like, I, I have never seen the show. I have never read the books. Um, I knew Robert Ulrich. Oh, it's Urich, not Ulrich. Yeah. Lars Ulrich. Urich, <laughs> uh, Robert Urich. Alas, I knew him well. And uh, Avery Brooks, oh my God, I didn't even realize Avery Brooks was in this. Yes, he was Hawk. He was probably the best thing about that show. (laughs) Well, I mean, Avery Brooks is freaking amazing. I mean, DS9, like I, you know, obviously know him from, you know, as Cisco, but like, um, wow. yeah. See, I knew him as Hawk first. And then I saw they had cast him as, as, on Star Trek. I'm like, wait, what? Hawk is in Star Trek? I might physically die. (laughs) Yeah, I always thought that, and I, you know, maybe he, maybe he has done roles that I just didn't know about, but he had like one of those voices, yes. and I feel like he just doesn't get credit as one of the voice guys who has like one of the best voices, like the, you know, the Morgan Freemans and the, you know, James know, Earl Jones, James Earl Jones, and also like <laughs> Sam Elliott. Sam Elliott's like got yes. a hell of a voice. <laughs> And uh, I don't know, like a, a Christopher Lee, like there's certain people that are like known for their voices. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know, like he should have done endless cartoons, at least. Keith David. Oh, Keith David. Oh, my God. Gargoyles. Gargoyles. I mean, if, now, now, see, now you're talking my language. Now we can, we can talk about gargoyles all day long. Like, uh, yeah, Keith David, right. Um. Yeah, yeah, he had he had just oh, I loved him as Cisco. He was like my favorite my favorite captain. Uh, mm-hmm. Not that he was really a captain, but he was he just was. so he was just I don't know. There was something like Picard was such a hothead, and he, he like he was good, but he he like could be such a dick. And he could be like <laughs> he would just pull out his 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 like captain finger, and he'd be like, "This is my tone now," and you know, and that he would just it would just be Picard's show. And uh, I don't know, Cisco was just a lot better. I think he was much more even tempered. He like took it all in and then he just very calmly delivered what he was going to say. And like when he got pissed, like you, you were like, Oh my God, Cisco's yelling. Yeah. Oh he, I mean, I did a poll in my uh, Facebook group to say he was like the best captain. Um, Cause I knew that that was like, that's a hot button for everybody. Um, and he routinely comes up as number one. Like, it was surprising the number of people in my group who picked Cisco as their favorite captain. Um, with Picard as a second and Janeway as a third. Um, <clears throat> Kirk was somewhere around there. I mean, Janeway Kirk is there. just a different <laughs> animal. It's a different era. It's a different era, right? And I feel like the... the the legend or the reputation, like the legend of Kirk is so much larger than the actual character. Because if you go back and watch TOS, he is a smart captain. 
everything is not about women and fighting, you know? And right. if you, he, people do not give the character, I'm not talking about like the actor, yeah, but the she, character. Not Bill. <laughs> who I just watched. Well, anyway, but yeah, I just watched him in Twilight Zone. I'm like, God, mm. he still has that same weird cadence. Um, <laughs> he's in he's in two episodes of the twilight Zone. he is yep. <laughs> he's in and, the one um, really good one that everybody knows and then like some other stupid one about no that wasn't stupid he was a, he was a super superstitious and he was trapped by it yeah he was trapped by the the jukebox yep right? yeah. yep the answer machine mm-hmm. um but if you look at tos and and the fact that he people don't give kirk enough credit as a character for being brilliant he was really really smart he understood he, people really well yep he also understood situations right seriously the kobayashi maru like he (laughs) i mean you want to talk about something (laughs) we talking about the kobayashi maru right like i just that took brilliance i kind of was mad at abrams like it being like like abrams the way i like chris pine's kirk Uh, I'm sure people are like, I'm not buying her book now. Um, but I like Chris Pine's Kirk. I like Chris um, Pine. He's just, he didn't 100% feel like Kirk to me. But, you know. But, yeah, he turned he, it He turned it into the Gorgian Knot. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, well, there's no solution. Well, so I'll cut the Gorgian Knot down the center. And there you go. Fuck off. But even, but why had no one thought of that before? Right. His Kirk's ideas, and if you look at some of the other episodes, he figures out a lot of things. So he's not super technical, right? But he figured out solutions for them. Hmm. Of course, he also says my favorite line in the movie that doesn't exist, which is Star Trek V. I need my pain. <laughs> and what does God need to starship? <laughs> the movie that doesn't exist? I've seen it. It totally exists. That movie is trash. <laughs> I feel like they, can, they should just go ahead and torpedo it out of canon. Um, but then I would lose my two favorite lines. Um, <laughs> so, what does God need with a starship? <laughs> oh, That's a good one. I'm a huge Star Trek nerd. We could do this all day. Uh, so, Star Trek actually, <laughs> not Spencer for Hire, ended up being the thing we, uh, we the retro property we swung around. <laughs> but I can't. Like, I can't. I don't, if someone was to say, Nicola, you can write for Star Trek, I would definitely pass out. Like, I just don't think I can write because I'd be so nervous I'd mess it up. Yeah. And so, um, that's why you said, what property? That's why I picked Spencer for Hire. Okay, well, just like, let's out. just say, just, you know, n- no pressure here, no reason to pass out. But like, if you, if you could, if you could write for Star Trek, what would be your era? Oh, I'd write for Discovery. <laughs> I'd write for Discovery. Nice. It's so diverse, and, and, and that's not it. It's just... I used were, you, to see, were you into it in the first season? Or yeah. did you... You were? Yeah, 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 yeah. All yeah, in yeah. from the beginning. Oh, okay. yeah. Yep. Um, you have a black woman front and center on, in a Star Trek show? Hello, I'm there for that. Like, I'll, right. I don't care what she does. I don't care what she does. I really don't care what she does. I don't care that her name is Michael Burnham. I don't care. <laughs> just, just, I just was there for that. And she... And, and, and the actress is so amazing and engaging. And even if though the actions that they have were doing did not make sense at certain times until much later in the season, I still went with it because I believed her. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and she was, she was Michael Burnham. And, and I, even in her Vulcanish self at the beginning, I was just like, yeah, this is weird. A human with Vulcan qualities. And, um, but I trust Star Trek. I've watched enough Trek in my life to know that, patience pays off because i remember tng was 
wretched when it first started. Oh my god, People the whole like, first season was, was <laughs> not good. They were seriously trying to find their feet. Yeah. Um. And so, and and so, I I was. You got to give Star Trek some patience, right? Because they're kind of like trying to produce on this heavy legacy, right? This heavy, heavy legacy. And so, um, yeah, be patient. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah true. I mean, I think that, um, you know, people's beefs were more like they're changing too much and it doesn't feel right in the Klingons don't feel like Klingons. And there's just like, you know, just a lot of, a lot of changes overall, but I think people have really, really come around to it. You gotta remember too, like, you cannot expect them to use the same prosthetics and makeup from It's them. not like the Klingons and TNG looked like they did in the original show. Exactly. And they and if you would remember, Steve, they were upset about that too. Why is there a Klingon on the bridge? Like they were hot yeah. about that. Yeah. It was hated. Like I remember people completely trashing it. I'm like, why it's it's a it's it's the next it's it's <laughs> okay, nothing is static. Like, seriously, there should be a progression. And so, um, I don't know why people don't expect that. There should be a progression. I, um, I loved, I mean, I, I was not one of those people at all. Like, when, when the first episode of that show aired, I was, I was in third grade. And I will tell you right now, the main thing I was excited about was the Reading Rainbow guy was going to be on Star Trek. <laughs> I was in third grade, okay? And I was dead set that his character was going to be my favorite character and it ended up being data but right. jordy was always up there and well, they were uh, always together in this kind of odd couple way yeah, but yeah. they 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 really had an awesome dynamic for sure mm-hmm. um better than data in the cat i would say and uh <laughs> fuck off spot Spot um, had like no time. <laughs> you know, he couldn't remember his lines. He didn't. He couldn't take direction. He didn't know. <laughs> he spot was the worst. But um, anyway, the um, yeah. I mean, I mean, just seeing all these neat looking, visually interesting characters on the on the bridge. You had a Klingon. You had mm-hmm. Data. Mm-hmm. Was like, what's his deal? You didn't know at first. You didn't. Mm-hmm. Is he an alien? What What is his deal? And then you had Jordy who had the visor, like, because he was on the bridge at first mm-hmm. before they moved him down to engineering. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, I, I like instantly loved the look of it. And it's not only until I was uh, older and I tried to go back and everybody's like, oh God, the first season's so bad. And I'm like, really? I just, I don't remember it being bad, but I was just a little kid. And, uh, and going back, it's like, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know. But I knew, like, even with... Even I mean, with- Deanna Troy's hot, but, like, you know, maybe she <laughs> caught... Maybe could have put some pants on. Like, I don't, I don't know. Like, just... just then when she did start wearing pants, it was like a one jumper, right? Like a one suit jumper. <laughs> it's yeah. like, really, guys? Really? I mean, it's just really... I like, she... she Like, going back to that, it's like, I, I just kind of feel bad for her. It looks like her knees are cold. Like, why is she... What? Like, <laughs> this is a drafty spaceship. Like, what are you doing, man? This is just stupid. <laughs> Drafty space. Oh, she could be hot in pants. I mean, what the fuck? <laughs> I met Marina Sertiz, uh two two times at least, and she is absolutely mesmerizing in person. Now, now this is this is back in the day, um, but I literally had this experience where I was. It was at like conventions when, when we called them Star Trek conventions, like before yeah. they were cons. And I, 
I did get to meet her. Yeah. I think two separate times for sure. And, uh, oh my God, her eyes were, they, they like, I'm literally mesmerized. Like I'm, it's my time to say something. I'm now, it's my turn. She's signing whatever I'm giving her. And she's, she was hilarious by the way. Like she did stand up pretty much the entire time she's on stage. Both times she, like the entire audience was just in stitches. She's super funny and cool and awesome. Just, just saying Marina Sirtis does not get enough credit. She put up with no, a lot of shit not. for TNG. No, <laughs> she did. But uh, yeah, anyway. Well, great. I'm, I'm glad we, we... So Star Trek by way of Spencer for Hire. Thanks, Avery Brooks. <laughs> yes. We found our retro topic for the, uh, for the episode. Good stuff. Um, so favorite Trek of all time then is, is DS9 or... Just, that's just Dude, did you topic. say of all time? It's like asking me to pick my favorite kids. I mean, just do it. Just, it's, it's fine. Just, you can do it. I'm like. Star Trek won't mind. Your kids would mind. They would take offense. Star Trek's not going to care. Favorite I mean, Bacula knows it's time. not going to be Enterprise. He's fine. No. He's God, fine. no. No, it's not going to be Enterprise. Um, probably DS9. Yeah. I love watching Avery books be a father. Um, I love them building a community on a space station, even though they're all very different. And, and the occupation of, of Bajoran, that had a whole another level of it gave you that wrinkle that maybe Star Trek isn't, that the Federation isn't as uh, benevolent as it likes to think of itself as. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Odo was a big, big part. In, in, so good. In, so, so yeah, DS9, hands down, is yeah. probably my favorite track. Yeah. And I, I got to say, like, I love all that they ended up doing with the Cardassians. Mm-hmm. Isn't it hard to say Cardassians now? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Don't you, doesn't that piss you off? Like I have to think about it. Every I'm like the Cardassians. Um, uh, Gul Dukat was like my yep. favorite character on that show. By the end of it, and yeah. I I mean again I like the flawed characters, and I felt like you know they they oh, he had layers. He had he layers. did, and he was in a uh, he. I mean, think about his position though. You can definitely see where he where he's trying to struggle against his programming, right? <laughs> Towards yeah. the end. Yeah. And you're like, you're raised in this culture. You're raised with these beliefs. It's ingrained. So how do you unprogram yourself or grow to something different? It's very difficult. <clears throat> um, and, and you grew, went from like ruling these people to suddenly having to like not rule them. That's yeah. a very big deal. Yeah. That's a hard change. So yeah, I, I love Deep Space Nine was, was, was deep. put it right in the name Um. (laughs) yeah because with tng through wharf we got like a whole different side to klingons and and then you know ds9 did the same thing but i think better with with the (laughs) cardassians it's hard to keep up with the cardassians isn't it that's even harder to say oh my god So before we get out of here, is there anything else you'd uh, like to plug? I mean, obviously, your your brand new book, you can pre-buy it right now. Mm-hmm. It's called A Theft Most Foul, yep. A Kingdom of Avis Mystery, and there are more to come. This is book two. Mm-hmm. Um, you can pre-buy right now for sure on, on Amazon. Is there anywhere else you'd like people to go? 
Um, if people would like to sign up for my newsletter, that'd be great. That way you can stay abreast of all the releases um, beforehand and get access to exclusives <coughs> and background information. And that is NicoleGivensKurtz.net. Yep. And I will be putting that link in the show notes. And uh, thank you so much for coming back, Nicole. This was a lot of fun. I hope you had fun. <laughs> I did. I hope you, uh, despite my bad, not up to par, not up to your standards, uh, bird puns. Um, sorry about that. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll beef up. I'm trying to come up with one more. Um, uh, something about regurgitating. Uh, no, no, I have nothing. Um, okay. Thank you very much for coming back. I hope you had a good time. And, I did. Uh, Thank you. Yeah. So this episode is going to, going to air, I believe next week. And, uh, but that doesn't mean anything to the listening, listening audience. Cause they're, they're like, I'm listening to it now, dude. Like Jesus parasite, you have your, you lose your brain without the other three guys. (laughs) Ah, and it's so true. It's so true. I need my other guys, Nicole. I need my guys back. (laughs) Okay. And, uh, just, just for, uh, for the record, uh, one of our hosts, Nintendo actually did come down with COVID. We talked about it on our finale. He is doing much better now. Definitely no worries on that front in case you guys were wondering. And uh, thanks so much for listening to The Brig. Thanks for our guest, Nicole Givens-Kurtz. Go check out NicoleGivensKurtz.net. Read her books. She's amazing. There's a million of them. Like, seriously, 40 short stories is a lot. Yeah. 40 short stories published, no less. That's a lot. (laughs) Various anthologies, yeah. (laughs) Nuts, I say. That is just crazy. Uh, and finally, to you, the Retroids, thank you very much for joining us this week on this bonus uh, voyage over the treacherous waters of all the things that made growing up awesome. If you like what you've heard this week, please spread the word and tell all your all your friends and your compatriots and your, your work colleagues and your mom about the Retro Redoctobus Cephalo podcast because we aren't going anywhere. In fact, we got some really fun stuff planned for the year and we got some really cool guests already lined up for more episodes of the brig and you know we're gonna keep doing those crow's nests and all that good stuff as well as our main episodes up next we have our mainline episode which is the official premiere of season three with our own 8-bit alchemy in the driver's seat so definitely stay tuned for that if you're a fan of muppets good night everybody The endings are always awkward. Like, it's just the awkwardness. (laughs) You're so crazy.